Second and 26 is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know SEC football ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. Checking out is a breeze on the GameTime app. Once you've pinpointed the seats you want, simply click the listing and check out. It's that simple. Use the GameTime two-step checkout system next time you're looking for great deals on tickets. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download GameTime and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Welcome back in to Second and 26, your dedicated Alabama podcast here on The Athletic. This is the free version. Usually this is a Monday edition, but due to some technical difficulties, this is releasing on Tuesday. After the Iron Bowl, another tough defeat by Alabama. And this one stings a little more for Alabama fans because it's Auburn, and you live next to Auburn fans. You work with Auburn fans. You may have family members who are Auburn fans. So um, you're going to have to live with this for uh, for the next year. Alabama found an, a, a different way to give a, a, away a game again. And I was talking to um, several Alabama fans about this, and what's what stuck out to me is if you would have told me before the game that Alabama runs for 180 yards, rushes for more yards per carry against Auburn than, than any opponent that Auburn has played this season, and puts up 515 yards of total offense. If you tell me that on Friday before the game, I'm predicting a three-touchdown win by Alabama because I didn't think Alabama could run the ball on Auburn. I didn't think Alabama could run the ball consistently on that Auburn defense, and they did. Najee Harris made himself a lot of money on Saturday in Jordan-Hare Stadium. I thought the offensive line played really well, except for the the five false starts. But Nick Saban on, you know, in the post game press conference, seemed to put that on the center. He seemed to put that on Landon Dickerson, not snapping the ball when it was supposed to be snapped. But but if you tell me Alabama puts up five fifteen, then I'm telling you Alabama's Alabama's blowing Auburn out. What I didn't factor in, and I couldn't have factored in is the fact that Alabama would commit 13 penalties. What I didn't factor in, what I couldn't have factored in, is that Mac Jones would throw not one, but two pick sixes, including one that was a 100-yarder, one that was a 14-point swing in that football game. You couldn't factor those in. And that's why Auburn won. And we sit here looking at this season... And asking a lot of questions and wondering what could have been. This was a weird year, sort of right from the start. When the injuries hit in in fall camp, when Joshua McMillan went down, when Dylan Moses went down, we sort of knew, okay, this might be a bumpy one. But then we looked at that schedule and thought, well, they're not really going to get tested until they go to Texas A&M. And then they get past that. 
And by that point, we realized that LSU is a different animal than we maybe thought they were going to be. And everything pointed to that game. And then you get into a game of the century part two. And then the weird ways that that game played out with Tua dropping the ball out of nowhere, um, with the punter just dropping the ball. And the way that, the way that game played out. And then Tua's injury against Mississippi State, it just felt like there was this wave, this sort of crest of negativity, for lack of a better word, that that Alabama couldn't get past. And if you listen to Nick Saban, if you've trained yourself to really listen to Nick Saban, the issues have been there all year long. He knew this defense wasn't up to par for what it, from what it normally is. I don't think he was particularly comfortable playing that style of offense, but he wasn't going to hinder it because it was one of the best offenses in the country when Tua was healthy. But you just got to sense something was off about this team. I never would have told you, never would have thought, never would have thought against that schedule, they lose two regular season games. What's their best win of the year? It might end up being Tennessee. It's either Tennessee or Texas A&M. That's Alabama's best win of the season. It was a it was a highly entertaining Iron Bowl. Back and forth. I thought Mac Jones played pretty well. You know, the one in, the first pick six is definitely on him. He had no pressure. He had time to throw the football. It's a bad throw. The second pick six, he gets pressure right in his face, and he throws it behind Najee Harris. I put it on the play call. You, you call that play with an experienced guy who's played a lot of road games. You don't put that in there with Mac Jones. You run the ball three times. But overall, I thought Sar- Sarkeesian called a pretty good game plan. He just got beat. He just got beat. And you're going to kick yourself because you put up 515 yards of total offense. And an anemic offense of Auburn did enough to win that football game. He, you want um, you want a Cliff Notes version to the 2019 Alabama football team? Here it is. Here's the Cliff Notes version. We all use Cliff Notes in college to some extent. You know, you couldn't rely on it to pass the final, but it give you an idea of what happened. Here's the here's the Suttles Cliff Notes version of Alabama's 2019 season. It's taking a lead in the fourth quarter. On the road, in a hostile environment against your biggest rival. It's taking a fourth quarter lead. And watching your defense immediately give it up. That's 2019 Alabama. Your offense got you the lead in the fourth quarter. And you immediately, I think it was an 11 play, 74-yard drive. Immediately. The next drive. That's 2019 Alabama. When you needed a key stop on defense, which there wasn't a ton of times they needed it because they, but the people they played weren't very good. And Alabama was just so much better than those teams. But when you needed a key stop on defense, you couldn't get one. You couldn't get it the entire fourth quarter versus LSU. And on the road against an anemic Auburn offense who had a true freshman quarterback who doesn't throw the ball real well, you allow them to go... 11 plays. I I think it was 11 plays, 74 yards. I'll double check it. Immediately. That's Alabama in 2019. That's where this team is defensively against good football teams. And Auburn's not even a great football team. They're really good. 
But they're not balanced. They're a great defense, and they're an okay offense. But that okay offense ran for 181 yards against your defense with a with the one-dimensional player. Seth Williams is a nice receiver. He's a really good player. He's the only one on the perimeter that scares you as a total playmaker. Anthony Schwartz is good. Will Hastings is good. They're one-dimensional guys. Seth Williams is the only playmaker that you got to really worry about. In terms of being – Seth Williams can do anything from the wide receiver position. Anthony Schwartz is either running a jet sweep or a go route. Will Hastings is a deep threat. They're not complete wide receivers. That's no disrespect to those two guys. It's more of my summation of the Auburn receiving core. It's Seth Williams and then a couple dudes. That's it. With a true freshman quarterback who didn't throw the ball real well this year. And an average offensive line. They're one-dimensional. When they run the ball, they're really good. And against that, Alabama gave up 181 yards rushing. The loss is going to stick with saving for a while. Obviously, the um, the illegal uh, legal substitution, 12 men on the field there at the end of the game, is going to stick with Saban. He got outcoached. There's nothing tricky about that. I mean, there, there's really nothing tricky. There's nothing nefarious that went on. Gus Malzahn had a good play concept. And all it was intended to do was get Jalen Waddle off the field. That's all that was intended to do. Instead, he confused the Alabama coaching staff. Alabama gets the penalty. First down, game over. Nick Saban got outcoached in that one. There's nothing wrong with that. No one's perfect. But I can guarantee you going forward, they won't just look at who the punter is coming on the field when they put their per- their punt team out there. They're going to look who the long snapper is. Because the regular long snapper, if he's on the field, then they're going to punt it. If they're going to go for it with any trick formation, they're going to have their regular center in there. So tip your hat to Gus Malzahn for, for keeping one in his back pocket all year long and basically winning the Iron Bowl because of it. Because that's, that's what did it. And it, it, the reason it came down to that is because the series before, Alabama's got a 30-yard field goal. A 30-yard field goal. And no one in that, listen, no one from Alabama thought they were going to make that. I was on the sideline. I was looking at faces. No one thought they were going to make it. A 30-yard field goal. I want you to think about that for a second. No one thought Alabama was going to make that field goal. It was a 30-yarder. Wasn't a 45. Wasn't a 52. It was a 30-yard field goal, and no one thought they were going to make it. And this is not, um, I don't blame Joseph Bullivus. He was a stand-up man. He, he put that post out on social media. Um. You, you know someone's true character. They reveal it during times of adversity. That's Joseph Bulova's character. Good on you, man. Good, good on you, young man. I'm not blaming him. I'm blaming Alabama at this point. For a long time, I, I, I just thought it was a, an odd footnote in this, this uh, more than decade run of, of Nick Saban at Alabama. I thought it was a weird footnote that, you know what? It's just funny. They've just had a, a really bad string of luck at field goals. And I, that's all, I chalked it up to that. It's just bad luck. Weird, weird stuff happens. Just a, a weird footnote on an otherwise dominant decade of Alabama football. I'm not there anymore. It's not just bad luck. Something's up with their either evaluations, the way they practice, and I, I think it's the way they practice. And let me be very specific on this. Nick Saban, if you go back and watch, has always had the quarterback or the quarterback as the holder. 
What do you think the quarterback or backup quarterback is doing the majority of practice? Do you think that the majority of practice during the week, that the quarterback or the backup quarterback is with special teams practicing the hold for the field goal, finding out exactly how a kicker wants it? Probably not, right? Because the quarterback or the backup quarterback is actually practicing with the offense. So you ask, well, Aaron, how do, how do other programs do it? They have the punter hold. The punter is the holder. Guess what the punter does during special teams? He's with the special teams. So he can work as much as they want on getting chemistry together. I think that's it. I'm not a special teams guru. I've never kicked a field goal in a high school game or any other game. I can't tell you for certain. But I have talked to people who've done it, and they say it's the hold. Because something ain't right. It's not a string of bad luck at this point. 2011 LSU game. Maybe the single most embarrassing display of field goal kicking I've ever seen in my life. It was, it was horrendous, okay? How about the 2013 Iron Bowl? Alabama could have iced that game on any number of field goals they made. Just a, just a comedy of errors there. How about the national championship game as time's winding down in regulation to beat Georgia? A very makeable short field goal. Was shanked. Wasn't even close. It was pulled so far to the left. How about the entire 2018 season where they can't even make the majority? Well, that's not true. They made the majority. But they missed like nine extra points. It's an extra point. No one misses an extra point. Alabama missed like eight or nine of them. And then Saturday, hitting the left upright. They need a total overhaul of the kicking position. This uh, bad breaks just happened? No, it's, it's beyond that. You're the greatest football coach in college football history, Nick Saban. You have to figure this out. You have got to yield for whatever reason that you're having a backup quarterback or quarterback be the holder. You got to stop doing that. Put someone as the holder that can spend the entire practice with special teams. Because it's not just a string of bad luck. I mean, some of it is, right? Like when you go out and recruit the number one kicker in America, like Alabama did with Will Riker. Will Riker's over at Hoover High School. It's 45 minutes up the interstate. And they go get him, and he comes to Alabama. He's the number one kicker in the country. And he hurts himself twice during the season. Twice. Non-contact entries. Twice. That's bad luck. That's bad luck. Continually having your quarterback or backup quarterback be your holder, and it may be affecting the way the kicker wants the football, that's not bad luck. That's stubbornness. Again, I don't know. This is what kickers have told me that they think the problem is. Because otherwise, I, I don't get it. Are, are they just recruiting kids that completely forget how to how to kick when they get to Alabama? I mean, because some of these guys in the field goals that we've made, you can see when a ball is hit solidly and they miss. Okay, no problem. You kicked it. Some of these kicks that we've seen during the last decade, it looks like the end of the first quarter in Bryant-Denny Stadium when they pull two students out of there to kick a field goal. I mean, some of them are wobbling, in, like sideways. They're 10 yards off, left or right. Are they just the kids forgetting how to kick when they get to Alabama? Is, is it they just can't deal with the pressure? You want to see the, the, weirdest, the weirdest note of Alabama's season? Of every team they played that kicked a field goal, not one of them missed. Alabama's opponents did not miss a field goal against Alabama all year long. Yet Alabama, we can't, for, we can't with any 
certainty say whether a kicker is going to make an extra point. Never mind a 30-yard field goal with a chance to send the game to overtime. I watched the players. A lot of players didn't even want to look. It's, it's that bad. And I know we're talking about a very minor part of football, but it's shaped a significant portion of Alabama football. Think about some of the bad losses Alabama's had in terms of how it's affected seasons. And a lot of them come back to special teams. A lot of them come back to field goals. 2011, LSU. 2013, Iron Bowl. Imagine had 2017 National Championship game gone differently in overtime. You had a chance to win the game. To not even, it doesn't even go to overtime. It's a walk-off field goal at the end of the National Championship game. And it's not a 50-yarder. It's a very makeable field goal. And it wasn't even close. And then Saturday, we watched the game-time field goal bounce off the left upright. Reevaluate how they're doing things over there. Because it's not a string of bad luck at this point. Blow it up. Start over. Speaking of starting over, that's that's where a lot of fans are with this defense right now. Uh, there are so many people that are, uh, are unhappy with Pete Golding, the defensive coordinator. I don't think it's all Pete Golding's fault. I think he's the fall guy because he's the defensive coordinator. But let's be honest with ourselves for a second. Whose defense is it? Even when Jeremy Pruitt was running things, when I say running things, I'm using air quotes here. Even when Jeremy, uh, even when Kirby Smart was running things, even when Jeremy Pruitt, Kirby Smart, we all we all said the same thing. It's Nick Saban's defense, right? It's Nick Saban's defense. Well, it's still Nick Saban's defense, right? They didn't radically change anything. They didn't switch to a 4-3. They're still a 3-4 base or nickel base. They're still running the same stuff. Nick Saban's still a defensive back guru. It's Nick Saban's defense, but Pete Golden's the one getting all the heat. He's the new He's the new element to this. But I think it's a lot of different things. We've talked about it all season long. It's the the constant churn of a coaching staff. It's the lack of good recruiting all along the defensive line in the in the 2017-2018 recruiting classes. It's players leaving early for the NFL. It's players leaving the program. And it's coaching. It's all of the above. It's not just Pete Golding. Like you, you don't just replace Pete Golding this year and magically Alabama's defense is better. That that ain't it. But they're gonna have to be some changes on defense because Raquan Davis is leaving. I would suspect that Terrell Lewis is leaving. Xavier McKinney might leave. Dylan Moses might leave. Trayvon Diggs is gone. Jared Maiden is gone. It's going to be not just, uh, just just poof, Pete Golding's gone doesn't solve the problems. Everybody points to those true, true freshman linebackers, but those two true freshman linebackers have now played 12 football games. They are true freshmen in name only. They've played a lot of football. Are they magically better game one against USC next year? Or game three against Georgia? Because you're going to be tested right out of the shoot next year. Two of your first three games is USC and Georgia. Pete Golden is an uh, is an easy target in this. I'm not saying he's not uh, that he can't get better. 
But zapping him ain't going to magically fix the issues. Not in my opinion. But there will. The, I think Nick Saban's going to have to examine this staff. And on you know everything from on the field coaching ability, recruiting, all of it, I think will be examined in the offseason. We'll see how it plays itself out. But before we get to any of that, Alabama's got a bowl game. And my understanding is that they had a team meeting where Nick Saban came and talked to the team and said, hey, we, we, we expect you guys to play in the bowl game. We expect you to play in the bowl game. Alabama's not been in this position before. Since this new fad of players sitting out bowl games has started, Alabama's always been in the playoff, so no one was sitting that out. Well, Alabama's not in the playoff now. Alabama's just going to play in a regular old bowl. So this is the first opportunity that, 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 that Alabama players have been faced with this, where they might sit out. Jerry Judy might sit out. Henry Ruggs might sit out. Devontae Smith, Raquan Davis, Xavier McKinney, they all might sit this out. I'm not saying they're going to, but they might. So what bowl game will it be? Will it be the Orange Bowl? Maybe the Citrus? Maybe the Cotton? I can tell you, I want no part of the Orange Bowl. I want no part of going down to South Florida with an apathetic fan base who doesn't want to go to South Florida and play Virginia. I can't see very many Alabama fans spending all that money around the holidays going down shortly after Christmas to watch Alabama play Virginia in the Orange Bowl. It's an unappealing matchup against a bad team. And it's relative. Obviously, Virginia is not bad, but they ain't exactly great. I'd much rather Alabama go. My, my best bowl destination at this point is, hey, go play in the, go play in the Cotton. Let me go play Baylor in the Cotton Bowl. That'd be fun. Man, that'd be fun for Alabama if a bunch of their players decide to sit out. But the Cotton Bowl, everyone likes Dallas. It's relatively, I mean, it's not a bad travel situation. Alabama's got a good alumni base in Dallas. It's an easy enough drive if you want to make it. It's a long drive, but it's an easy enough drive if you want to make it. Baylor would, would, would be a team that might, you know, maybe Boise State. I don't know. Anything but the Orange Bowl. If Alabama goes to the Orange Bowl, I can't imagine a bunch of Alabama fans going. Maybe you let me know if I'm wrong. Let me know if you would be really pumped to go to the Orange Bowl. I'd be okay with Citrus. I mean, I wouldn't be thrilled about it, but whatever. Whatever. (laughs) We just haven't been in this situation before for a long time. Like I'm right now, I'm typically covering an SEC championship game preparation. There's not that this year. There's no uh, there's no drama on Sunday to see if out where Alabama's uh, if they're getting in the playoff then run and they're not because they didn't they didn't beat any good teams this year on uh, for a schedule that was not very good Alabama didn't didn't beat a ranked team how will you remember the year it's the year of uh, weirdness the injuries all the penalties just such an undisciplined Alabama football team that's what I'll remember an undisciplined football team from penalties to assignments that were blown. Just a very, very undisciplined football team. We'll find out on Sunday where Alabama's going bowling, and um, we'll, we'll send out a, a mailbag this week, and I'll, I'll ask you guys where, where you want 
Like, what's your best of these destinations? Which one do you want? Uh, I'm Aaron Suttles. You can catch me on WJOX 94.5 from Monday through Friday, 10 to 2 here in the Birmingham market. I hope you do. Also, catch all my work here at The Athletic. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Aaron Suttles. Thanks for listening to another edition of Second and 26.